Hey y'all, you know I love to have guests and interviewees on our podcast and we're going to continue to do more and more. I do have to give my disclaimer that the views that are expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on a show does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Views and opinions belong to our interviewees, um, but I do want you to sit back and enjoy because I love to share different perspectives, ideas, and thoughts, you know, not just to limit the topics to myself. So enjoy, and thanks for joining again. So welcome back to another episode of Black Goddess Healing and Manifestation. And I know you all are used to me talking and kind of rambling off um, and sharing my insight, Uh, but today we have a special guest and we're really lucky um, to have Najay Lightfoot. Did I say it right? Najah. I wrote it down and we talked about how I don't like when people mispronounce my name and I did it anyway. So. <laughs> no <laughs> worries. Najah Lightfoot. Yes, Najah. Yep. And we, uh, you are the author of Good Juju and other publications. Am I correct? Yes. Okay, so we're really happy to have you here today. And before we get into our conversation, we have lots of questions and um, things that I'm sure you're going to really touch base on. But I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself as well as your work. And um, then we'll get into why I'm so excited to have you. (laughs) So go ahead. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be on your program and um, talk with you and your listeners, and um, thank you so much. So I'm Najah Lightfoot, and I am the award-winning author of Good Juju, Mojo's Rights and Practices for the Magical Soul. Um, I'm the winner of the 2019 New York City Big Book Award in the category of spirituality, and I am the gold award winner of the Coalition of Visionary Resources Award in the category of Wicca, Witchcraft, and Magic. Um, I've been writing for Llewellyn Worldwide Publishing since 2013. Um, I have several of my articles appear in the Witch's Almanac, Witch's Datebook, the Witch's Companion, the Magical Almanac. And so when I'm not working on my book, or my upcoming book, I write articles as well for Llewellyn Worldwide Publishing. And I've been a practicing witch for many years. I am initiate of uh, New Orleans Voodoo Society, um, along with uh, just being myself and one who's connected to nature and the universe and the stars. And uh, I live in Denver, Colorado with my family. That's me in a nutshell. (laughs) Well, you shared one late, um, I guess this is late breaking news, right from the Buckley Museum. Do you want to share that? Yes. Um, As of last Thursday, I am now a member of the permanent collection of artifacts of the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft located in Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm very excited. The Buckland Museum reached out to me and I donated my staff. Um, and my staff is about six feet high. It has a big crystal on the top of it. It's surrounded with juju bees and bells and 
a red cloth. And if you'd like to see a picture of it, you can um, find a picture of it on the Buckland Museum Instagram account. You can also see a picture of it on my Facebook, Facebook account, Naja Lightfoot, and Twitter, Naja Lightfoot, Instagram, Naja Lightfoot. And I'm very excited to have been asked to donate and be a part of this museum, which is the only one of its kind in the world, except for the Museum of Witchcraft in Boscastle, England. So um, yes, very excited, very honored to be a part of the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft. Wonderful, congratulations, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, um, so let's, I guess let's start there because I'm sure um, some of our listeners may hear certain words, right? Um, if they're not familiar uh, with your practice and they may be, let's say a tad bit uncomfortable because of our history, especially here in the U.S. And I will add, we have listeners from all over the world, um, but I can speak to, you know, being here in America and how certain things are viewed. So if you want to speak to that a little bit before we jump in, um, you know, some of the misconceptions uh, and perhaps fear when people hear witchcraft or voodoo and, you know, hoodoo, all those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Um, first of all, I always like to say that I do not speak for any organization. Uh, I only speak for myself. Once authentic for me, my own truth, things that have been successful in my journey. And I understand um, I write under the topic of magical spirituality. And so basically what that is, is tools and ways to enhance your spirituality, whatever your path may be to your own divine beings, um, prayers, just ways to under, uh, give that a magical foundation to help you move forward in your growth as a seeker um, in the divine. And so uh, it took me many, many years to get to where I am. Um, it took me many years to find a, a society in New Orleans. I live in Denver that I felt, you know, was in alignment with my being. Um, many years of studying with different teachers. And, and I think, you know, I understand people's hesitation. Um, some people uh, on the path, such as myself, grow up with you know, an auntie or a grandma, or it's in their heritage or their lineage. And so they can have that person that, you know, they can bend an ear to uh, me. I'm not that person. You know, I had to find my own teachers, find my own way, but I've always had an innate calling to become and be who I am. So I just tell people to start small, um, check things out and it's okay to be nervous and, and, and leery of things. You should always use discernment, um, whatever you do, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, just take your time with it. And it's not anything that you just download from the internet. Thank you. And you go from, <laughs> you go from zero to 50. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the biggest message I'm trying to get across lately. It's a practice. Mm -hmm. It's like anything. It takes time, effort, dedication, um, and I always like to say, you know, I'm a pre-internet witch. I'm a pre-internet magical spiritual person, you know, <laughs> just be able to go to Google and type in, wow. You know, I came up in the time where I used to go to the library, you know, look over my shoulder, make sure, sort of sure no one was staring at me, you know, like, what is she looking at? Right. <laughs> 
you know, yeah. lots of paranoia and nervousness. And anybody who's gone before us who walks the different ways, you know, have, have felt like, oh, I better be careful. And, and there's good reason for that. That's based in fact. Mm-hmm. There is. And, uh, you know, I did an episode, um, I guess, maybe a month ago or so. And I talked a little bit about how some people are leaving certain practices to go back to perhaps the practices of their childhood, let's say Christianity. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason is they've had um, allegedly have shared, you know, some bad experiences and things going wrong. Um, but perhaps that could be kind of what you just spoke about of the internet and hopping into things that you don't understand, you know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Th- that could be part of it. I don't know, but we won't get off topic. <laughs> so it's yeah. all part of the same tar- topic. It's all part of the same. Circle. It is. It is. <laughs> but I can certainly ramble about that and I will not do that during our discussion. <laughs> So your book is titled Good Juju. Can you speak a little bit about what juju is in your opinion? So in my opinion, juju is a handshake with spirit using um, ritual, rites, practices to enhance uh, positive change in your life, grounded in nature, grounded um, in their traditions of magic that we spell with a K. And um, to bring about positive effects in your life. And when I wrote my book, I was just struck with people knowing, people always say, oh, that's bad juju. You know, everybody knows when you say, oh, that's bad juju. You're like, oh, yeah, 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 don't do that. But then, well, then if there's bad juju, what's good juju? Mm. How, you know, there's got to be a good juju. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to write about ways that I've come to use um, magical practices. Hoodoo, which is grounded in African-American traditions, which, by the way, hoodoo is a folk magic, and anybody can practice it. Um, it's not a religion. It's a folk magic practice. And, um, and just ways for people who are seeking, um, who maybe just want to get started with using magical tools to enhance their um their daily lives bring about some goodness so oh. I, I i love being all about good juju yeah yeah now you mentioned in your book um something to the effect of you know if you're trying to do something um, to someone else right um and perhaps they wronged you um you maybe you know want to do something to harm them that that comes back to you or to be prepared right for the repercussions I'm not sure if I'm I'm not quoting you of course but (laughs) I'm not sure if that's what you meant but speak to that a little bit yeah well they what I actually was talking about is self-defense so um, in addition to my magical spirituality I am trained in Shaolin Kung Fu martial arts so um, I'm all about (laughs) self-defense physically spiritually emotionally, but um, I am not about going out harming people. I have no tolerance for bullies, um, people who want to throw around their titles or credentials or training to try to harm other people. That's just not not for me. Um, but at the same time, I'm not a person that leaves my doors unlocked or my windows down. I live in the city. <laughs> 
I have a dog. <laughs> what you like here? I mean, I try to keep it real, keep it practical. And that's right. the part I come from, you know, like, mm -hmm. okay, let's just put up layers. And that's what magic is all about. Good juju is all about when you're talking about, you know, protecting your home, your family, you know, you put up layers, you don't leave your doors unlocked. Mm -hmm. same, same thing, you know, so, um, but first, before you even go down that path, you should be having a, a good relationship with your higher power, your creator, your deity, however that expresses for you. Mm -hmm. And and start start first by developing a practice, connecting to nature, you know, going out. Today's the fall equinox, by yes. the way. Happy fall to everybody. Right. Yay. Yay. What a great day to have this conversation. It is. It is. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, like celebrate the seasons changing and align yourself with nature and the trees and wherever you live, um, you know, the sunrise, the sunset. Yeah. Take it one step at a time. That's right. That's right. So along those lines, you know, you mentioned hoodoo and voodoo. Um, so what are, in your opinion, some of the biggest misconceptions? Um, you spoke about the traditions and practices. Some, you know, are religions, right? People mm -hmm. don't quite understand mm -hmm. that. And some are not. Can you speak mm -hmm. a little bit more about that? And perhaps, um, you know, the African tra traditions and how things have perhaps been demonized? Well, sure. I mean, I, you know, I will say, you know, honestly, I don't know much about um, any other African traditional religions outside of my own experiences with New Orleans voodoo, although I do know about Ifa and the Orishas, but I'm not a practicing um, person in the religions of uh, the Ifa or Santeria or Candoble or those types of things, but mm -hmm. you know, I do know about them. Mm -hmm. But basically, um, you know, through my studies and my path, when um, our ancestors were enslaved, they brought their traditional religion with them. And depending upon the country that they landed in, um, you know, those religions were not validated mm -hmm. so if you came to a place like in the south in the united states um where haitians mixed with um enslaved africans and they came up through louisiana um the religion of the time was catholicism mm -hmm. and that's also the same in cuba and in brazil where they have lots of saints well several of the African traditional religions are have several different gods and goddesses or deities or the Lawa as we call them in voodoo. And so, you know, if you were practicing your African traditional religion and like in, um, in voodoo, the deities, the messengers, some people could call them angels. I mean, that would be a little bit of a stretch, but, um, but anyway, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're spirits and intermediaries. You could put those, mix them with saints. Now, <laughs> I was saying I did not grow up Catholic. I didn't grow up working with saints, so I'm still learning my way. <laughs> but a lot of people did. Um, I came out of a, you know, pretty traditional Baptist, Black church background. So I, I, I you know, I didn't know anything about saints. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm open. <laughs> But, you know, <laughs> I'm learning. But, you know, along with the practices of Western occultism, occultism, 
what I started longing for were deities that look like me. Mm. Yeah. And that's really how I found my way into New Orleans voodoo and um, being initiated, which took a long time. And it really is because of my love for Marie Laveau. Mm-hmm. I, I needed a spiritual, magical, powerful woman of color to identify with. Mm. And my husband and I would take trip after trip to New Orleans. And for anybody who's been to New Orleans, I mean, you can't go to New Orleans without coming across the spirit of Marie Laveau. Oh, gosh. And you just, I mean, yeah. And, you know, when I started studying hoodoo, you know, she started cropping up. And then I found myself going to New Orleans for business or something. And the next thing I knew, I was at the cemetery. You know, I'm like, she just drew her, drew me to her. Mm-hmm. And I just loved seeing her and learning about her. And, um, and then it was Titipa, the enslaved woman of color in mm-hmm. Salem, mm-hmm. who started the Salem witch trials who nobody talks about. Yeah. And, and I will say that in the book that I'm writing now, um, I do spend some time with Marie Laveau and Titiba, along with other women, Mm -hmm. um, iconic women, but mainly, and then, you know, I just wanted to see some spiritual, powerful people who look like me. Mm -hmm. And and that's really the bottom line. I I think a lot of us long for that, you know? Yeah. Kind of what leads us to this journey, you know, um, to really have this be part of our journey, I should say, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of spirituality. Mm -hmm. What would be a commonality you know, between them, um, you know, when you talk about Marie Laveau and Titefa, what would you think would be a thread, even though different, different times, different people? Well, you know, um, they did live at different times and there's very, very little known about Titiba. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she just drops out of the historical record. Um, there's very little known about her, except that she was the catalyst to the Salem witch trials. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then she just kind of disappears. <laughs> yeah. So I think, you know, it was it is known that, you know, she did go to jail. She did testify, but her bail was paid mysteriously. And then she just disappeared. Right. So, and I said her name wrong, Titaba, right? Titaba, right. And then the same for Marie Laveau, very mysterious. Um, Marie Laveau's daughter was also named Marie. And um, I think what's interesting, what um, is common is that no matter what you see, there were never any Marie Laveau never sat for a portrait mm-hmm. and there's no pictures of Titaba from real life. So anything that we see mm-hmm. about how they look or what they look like is the artist's rendition of what they think they look like. Wow. Wow. Now Titaba, her story had to relate with, I believe was her healing, right? Of I, I'm trying to get the story correctly. I remember hearing a story about, someone that was asked to heal the slave master's daughters is this the same story or well you know kind of I mean she was enslaved to the parish household Mm -hmm. in Salem Massachusetts and um they did know that you know she had healing and um she did try to help um 
the families that she was working for, and it's documented that she made a witch cake mm-hmm. to try to help heal um, these girls. Or, But what happened was, you know, who knows why the girls got hysterical. Mm-hmm. Um, we do know that none of the people who were accused of witch- witchcraft in Salem were witches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though... Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even though now it is the, you know... The haven for witchcraft. They were, I mean, sadly, they were old people, like old women, oh my men who owned land, and uh, you know, people didn't like them. Mm-hmm. And prior, you know, this is Hollywood versus real life. You know, Hollywood always paints these women and men as young, but they were old, like um, Bridget Bishop who um, she was, you know, a white woman accused of witchcraft, but she was almost 70 years old when they hanged, when they hung her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, there's Hollywood and then there's real life. Yeah. But yeah. But then um, what we did find is that um, Titipa was beaten and she was beaten by uh, the parish. I forget his first name right now, but it was the parish and he beat her. When everybody started getting, you know, hysterical. And so she, <laughs> she was super smart. Yeah. She was like, you know, all this hysteria was running around. So she said, yeah, you know, the black devil appeared to me or whatever. Told me to do whatever. <laughs> Which is super cool on her part. So they are like, oh, she's just. Now, nobody knows, was she from Barbados, where she came from, but all they know, all the records, somewhere, she at first she started out as being an Arawak Indian, mm-hmm. then she became an African woman, so, you know, right. this is 1692. Mm-hmm. Nobody was really concerned about writing down her history. Right. So, there's very little about her, um, but um, one of my favorite books about her is a fictional historical retelling. And I want to say, I hope I'm saying the author's name right, by Marse Conde, and it's called I, Tituba, Black Witch of Salem. Mm -hmm. And she writes this wonderful fictional story of what might have been her life. But anyway, but the record does show that, you know, Tituba did go into the court and then she said, yes, the devil came to her and made her do all these things. And because who she was, they, they believed her. And then, you know, it just took off from there. And then she just is cast aside. She just goes to jail, and sits, but she was never hung. Wow. wow. She was never hung. So wow. <laughs> she just so, told them what they wanted to know. They believed in the <laughs> devil, right? So that, that worked yeah. in her favor. <laughs> she said, yeah, he came over. <laughs> I saw him. He oh, told me to do X, Y, Z. They were like, Really? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's what he said to do. <laughs> I remember hearing that story. And I was just amazed by that. I, I'm like, no, you got to tell your truth. But then as I heard how it unfolded, I'm like, oh, that was pretty ingenious on her part. Yeah, right. she saved herself. <laughs> she was like, shit, I'm going to tell these people what they want to know. <laughs> okay. Yep. If it takes it off of you, what is that what you want me to say? Sure, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a good story. <laughs> well, we, we certainly have to look forward to that book that you're writing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And then for Marie Laveau on the same thing, you know, people, you know, Hollywood always wants to make her out as a state charming, undulating, you know, mm-hmm. horror queen. And 
that just always really upsets me because one thing that people don't, I mean, Marie Laveau was revered. I mean, her obituary appeared in the Times Picayune on the day she died. Wow. And she was known to go and heal the sick. She cared for people in prison. Hmm. She was a devout Catholic. Wow. Yeah, so she was a woman of reverence. And she deserves her respect. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm all about trying to, like, please stop making her, putting her up that she's this exotic, you know, yes, she practiced um, her religion, Catholicism mixed with her African traditional religion of, of voodoo, but it wasn't, you know, she wasn't out there, you know, wrapped up in snakes <laughs> right and all yeah that that's the stuff, image everyone you know? has right <laughs> right yeah she yeah. she was known to pray for people in the church and she used to visit the infirmed people who were in prison mm-hmm. to help them yeah so she she definitely deserves her respect and first of all just to be a woman of color and living in those times mm-hmm. in louisiana yeah 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 i I agree. So I'm definitely trying to change the narrative around her. Mm, wonderful. Wonderful. Now, to, to pivot a little bit with our topics here, you write about ancestral altars and other forms of altars. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to just take a moment, if you can give a few pointers or components you think that are really important for, let's say, ancestral altar and maybe some mistakes, if any, that people can make when they're trying to set one up? Well, first of all, an altar should be a place of reverence for you. Mm-hmm. Um, there should be things on it that when you pass it and you see it, 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 it connects you to your ancestors or your loved ones or your seasons or whatever it is you're using the altar for. Now, I will tell you, when I started out, I had one altar. Mm-hmm. And everything was on it. <laughs> well, was, I'm sure people are thinking, well, that's what I have right now. <laughs> it took a one space. If I was saying a prayer for prosperity or healing or, you know, I was, you know, and we're in this time of year where, you know, people remember their ancestors, although those of us who keep an ancestor altar, it's up all the time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Halloween um, in the Western tradition of witchcraft, it's called Samhain. In Voodoo, it's called Fetgede. But everybody has this time of year where they honor their ancestors. Mm-hmm. So when I first started, I had one for everything. Everything was on it. Um, but mostly, like, you know, it should be a nice cloth, some candles, some water, um, things that your ancestors liked, you know, um, if you're leaving something out for them that's food-wise, you know, you can put that out on a little plate. Remember to take that food and give it back to the earth. Don't leave it sitting out overnight or anything like that. Um, and, you know, keep it clean, uh, dust it off, mm-hmm. and uh, spend some time sitting at it, looking at it, talking to them. But then as I got further along my path, um, now there's altars pretty much in every room in my house, whatever it is. If it's a flat space, my poor family, not actually, I mean, they love me. They support me, but if there's a flat space in this house, it's got 
I don't know, candles on it, statues on it, <laughs> on it, sticks of incense. If they just kind of grow, you know? Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned even, you know, we go to certain restaurants and they're right there in plain sight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed that? Yes. Yes. I, you know, I, I've noticed it for a while. And then when I, you know, read your book, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> they are. So you, you or, them to, to the store and it's right there. And it's right there. It. They don't even see it. Yeah. Yeah. It's right there. Or like before COVID. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I used to get my manicure. I mean, my pedicure done. Go for my pedicure. And I would be, you know, in a salon and there would be, you know, an altar. Yeah there and a lot of the nail salons absolutely a lot of the nail salons mm-hmm. there's altars yeah or in restaurants they're high above they're up above the doorway mm-hmm. and people just don't pay attention they think that that's the thing like when you you know you when you start working your path and and connecting you start to see things that have always been there like that's what? Right. there's an altar over there yes honey mm-hmm. that altar's been there for years exactly well there's this one restaurant near us and even my kids were like mommy do you see those crystals over <laughs> i look at them like it's a full-blown <laughs> altar with crystals water everything <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they were really trying to hide that one. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, you just, you know, if it's out in plain sight. Yeah. You know, you don't say anything. It's there. It's just there. It's just there. You know, it's like, um, that's the same thing. Like one of my friends, before I started studying martial arts, I would go over to her house and her weapons, her martial art weapons were everywhere. I just never even noticed them. Just never noticed I just never even gave it a second thought. Oh, my God. Or, you know, people come to my house and be like, has that always been there? Mm-hmm. It's always been there. <laughs> wow. Wow. Now, what if like, you had mentioned, you know, some holidays, you know, that people may then pull out um, things of their ancestors. They may celebrate <laughs> their ancestors. And, you know, I feel like we, we kind of see that with some of the other, you know, religions and holidays we have in the U.S. here, as we enter this season, right, we're approaching Thanksgiving and Christmas and all of that, right? How do you, what advice do you give to people that may be, you know, now transitioning their spiritual practices and moving away from that on how do they explain that to their families? How do they interact with them? Do they still give them presents or, you know, do they invite them over to have dinner with the ancestors at their table? (laughs) Well, One of the first things I always tell people is, you know, there's nothing worse than somebody poo-pooing on your good juju. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you first start out, and it takes a long time to gain confidence to where, like we used to say, we like to say, you come out of the broom closet. <laughs> so, you know, right. you might you might come out of the broom closet. You might never come out of the broom closet. It might not be safe for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in this day and age, there are people who are harassed and persecuted mm-hmm. um, for their different spiritual beliefs and practices. So during the holidays, you know, like for me, <laughs> when mm-hmm. I send cards, because I love to send holiday cards, um, you know, I just pick images of, you know, snow, evergreen trees, snowmen. Yeah. <laughs> I just try to keep it secular. I am a huge Christmas freak. I love it. Okay. You know, and I used to get, you know, 
when I was first on, I used to get all upset with people wishing me a Merry Christmas and all that kind of stuff. I used to get really mad about it. But now I'm just like, oh, they're just wishing me joy. You know? Yeah. I'll say happy holidays. Sometimes I'll say Merry Christmas. That doesn't mean I'm going to go home and change what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and my house is always one of the most decorated on the street. I decorate my house for every season. Oh, honey, (laughs) I get out the lights, the elves, the Santas. Wow. I I love it. That's comforting for people that are like, I don't know what to do with, what do I do with Christmas? Yeah, I don't have to chuck it all out, but, you know, you won't find me going to mass. Right. You know, know, and yes, I can walk into a church and sit down. Nothing will happen to me. You won't catch you on know. fire. No. <laughs> the church will burn down either. You know, yeah. you, you have you have respect to be an adult. Yeah. You know, yeah. and but I love putting out my holiday decorations because I understand I'm celebrating the season. I'm celebrating the solstice. I'm celebrating goodwill. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I already got my little pumpkin man outside. I got <laughs> my <laughs> Halloween decorations up. <laughs> You know, um, I started doing it early this year because of COVID. I was just like, this year is so bizarre. I'm just going to put some Halloween decorations out in the yard because I just need something to look forward to. I'm sure everyone can look forward to that. Yeah. And so, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, you know, and if I go, you know, you go to, if you want to send people presents, that's fine. Mm -hmm. You know, and as you get comfortable you know, if you want to get into that discussion, but mostly I find that the best way is just to lead by example. Mm-hmm. You be happy. Yeah. You'd be good mm-hmm. with yourself and your practices. People want to invite you over to something. That's great. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But, um, but it's a process and not everybody's understanding. Right. You know, some people are more open to you talking about things and some people aren't, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that I'm going to be converted. <laughs> Right. Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. And, and it's all in perception, you know, people look at things based upon their title as evil and devilish when someone could, you know, be kneeling down right now praying for someone's demise, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, people can, you know, do all kinds of things with whatever they want. Yeah. There's always, there's darkness in everything. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the, our African traditional religions or witchcraft, it's no different. And it's all, you know, we're all human beings. Right. And so human beings are flawed. They will disappoint you, upset you, mm-hmm. lead you astray. So that's why. For me personally, because all of those things have happened to me, mm-hmm. that's why I always turn to nature. Because mm-hmm. when I, I can go to the trees, I can look up at the moon. Mm-hmm. I get up in the morning. Oh, there's the sun. Oh, there's the birds flying over. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I still got to deal with these humans. I'm human too. Mm-hmm. I make mistakes, you know. Mm-hmm. But I can I can turn to nature. I can plant a flower, work in my garden, water my plants, and that brings me comfort. Mm-hmm. And it's really from that connection to nature that I have found my way down these paths. Yeah, yeah. You'll be surprised the answers you get, right, when you just go outside, you know. Oh, yeah. Even the messages that come your way, you know. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was doing that today. Like, I was just sitting on my porch taking in this 
fall equinox. No phone, no headphones, just having a cup of coffee, mm. just looking at the tree, mm -hmm. like not talking to anybody. Yeah. You know, like we're so disconnected mm -hmm. from nature. I agree. Mm. I agree. Now, I, I could talk to you all night, but I won't take too much of your time. <laughs> this has been wonderful talking to you, Dr. G. Thank you. Now, before we part, what, what words of wisdom do you have for maybe someone that is just starting to look into different spiritual practices, you know, whether it's voodoo, witchcraft, what have you, and they may be doubting, you know, does this really work? How This doesn't really make sense to what I've been taught. What words of wisdom do you have for them? Well, you know, prior to COVID, um, a lot of us, and me included, we had to get our learning from teachers and books. And then we have social media where everybody's out there promoting one thing or another. And I would always tell people, you can read your books and get involved with people on social media and things like that. But sooner or later, you need to go out and meet these people <clears throat> and see who they are in person. <clears throat> it's very different between having an online persona and then going to in a real event. Mm -hmm. So when COVID is over and we get to go back and you're starting out and there's an event going on, a conference or you know, a festival or something, you should go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you should get out and go meet these people, see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And also, when you're just starting out and you you do things, it should always ring true with you. Yeah. And your inner guidance. That's right. If you're doing something and it just doesn't feel right or it makes you feel bad, then that's not right. Mm-hmm. That's not it for you. You have to always run things through your own intuition, your own discernment. And contrary to people's, you know, beliefs, I pray every day. Yeah. See? So I, I you know, mm -hmm. I, I pray every morning when I get up. I have a morning ritual that I've done for years. I am in prayer, I'm, you know, all through the day. It's giving thanks and gratitude. You should always run any of these practices that you are going to do through your higher power, whether that's God, goddess, Yahweh, the divine feminine, the Lawa, whoever that person is for you or a deity or spirit guide, you should be having a connection with them first and foremost. That mm -hmm. should be your foundation. And then everything builds from there. I agree. Wow. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And if you're following someone and then they change their mind and decide to do something else, your next move shouldn't be, okay, well, where are we going now? What are we doing? You know, <laughs> that shouldn't be the case, right? It should be your personal journey and relationship, right? With spirituality. Yeah. yeah. And we are spiritual people. Yeah. So, you know, we, we want to connect with spirit. We want to connect with the creator and our higher power. So all of these things that I'm talking about, that I write about, are just in addition to that. This is just another layer. Mm -hmm. This is just another way for you to just keep growing on your spiritual path. It is in no way to say, oh, you should discard this and throw this out. And, you know, you have to make those own your own decisions. But you should always have a connection mm -hmm. with your higher power, first right. and foremost. Right. Thank you for that. Now, where can people get in touch with you and how can they find your books? 
Um, well, my books are available everywhere that good books are sold. <laughs> and I'll put some links in the show notes as well. You can find um, my book, Good Juju, Mojo's Rights and Practices for the Magical Soul, on Llewellyn.com, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, in bookstores all over the country. And you can find me all over social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under Najah Lightfoot. Wonderful. Thank you, Najah. I really appreciate your time. And we will be connecting, especially on social media. <laughs> oh, and I have a website, craftingconjure.com. I'm just so used to, you know, doing the social media part too. But yes, thank you, Dr. D. This has been wonderful. And thank you to your listeners. And thanks for having me on. It's a wonderful way to start out the fall season. Yes, my it was my pleasure, my honor to have you. Um, and we will be touching base soon. Okay. Best of luck with everything and your new book that you're working Thank you. on. Thank you. All right. Have a great evening. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.